Welcome to Sound and Vision, conversations with contemporary artists and musicians about the creative process. Here's the host of Sound and Vision, Brian Alfred. Sound and Vision is proudly sponsored by Golden Artist Colors. Golden Acrylics, Williamsburg Oils, and Core Watercolors are all made in upstate New York. Golden is committed to the highest quality paints and also committed to serving a role of stewardship in the community as an employee-owned company. In my studio, it's golden acrylics everywhere, from heavy body paint to fluid acrylics, matte medium, and gesso. I swear by it. You can find out more at goldenpaints.com. Svenja Deniger is an artist who currently lives and works in Vienna and Milan. She was born in Vienna and was educated at the Kunstakademie Dusseldorf and the Kunstakademie Munster. Svenja has had solo exhibitions at the Succession in Vienna, the Norton Museum of Art in West Palm Beach, Florida, and the Joslin Art Museum in Omaha, Nebraska. She's also had solo exhibitions internationally, including Frederica Schiavo Gallery in Rome and Gallery Martin Janda in Vienna, amongst others. She's participated in group exhibitions at Bob van Arslau Gallery in Zurich and Josh Lilly Gallery in London, Patrixer Law Contemporary in Gestad, the Weisk Center for Contemporary Art in Brussels, and the University of Michigan Museum of Art in Ann Arbor, to name a few. I met up with Svenja at her current show titled Crescendo at Marian Boski Gallery in New York, and we spoke about her well-traveled life, painting between cities, music, texture, composition, and more. Here's our conversation. Yeah, now I think about this too. Like I have a friend in New York, and he has a studio, and it's it's uh, in the, it's not really a basement; it's almost a cellar. Yeah. And he had this, and I think it's just I don't know in feet, but it's just not as as high like the ceilings oh, yes, as the you crouch. are. It's really like you have to oh, walk like that. And I think like he basically can walk on the floor. Yeah. But it was so interesting because if you see all the paintings and if you take some images, then you will not see that it actually, that you cannot stand up. Oh, yeah. It, you can tell. Studio, it's kind of, you cannot tell. Oh, but, you can't. Uh, yeah. it's, it's funny if you take a picture with somebody inside and you don't see anything. Right. <laughs> Just like leave. I would imagine that they would probably get good at sitting while working probably <laughs> like a nice rolling chair so they could just move around everywhere yeah that's a good <laughs> so how how's your studio is it big i have two studios actually one in milan and uh-huh. one in vienna and the one in vienna is really nice it's a, it it's it's quite big and it's um, it's on the top floor of a very old building and it's uh, quite bright because one of like it was once built, I think, as an academy for, I think, drawing. Yeah. And um, wow, that's and nice. so it's really nice because it has these like, uh, like not typical high ceilings for an apartment on the top floor. So yeah. it's about four meters high, and and one like it's completely open, so it has glass windows like on one side, and it's really nice. Oh, so man. it's a bit like being above the, um, yeah, above the city. Yeah. Do you feel like making 
work in a certain... I, well, how long did you have that studio? I have that studio since six years. Okay. Now. So but you've it's had definitely... Smaller, you've had smaller studios. I've had even, like, also one in Vienna, the reason why I stayed in Vienna, and it was in... Actually, it was an old apartment in the center of Vienna, like so much in the center that you could, could see the cathedral oh, wow. from the window. So that was amazing. And, but it was an apartment where a woman died and she like the whole apartment was burned completely. <clears throat> and so I could have it for free. And oh, it wow. was and was it since haunted? I came a little bit later than the others, I just that room where she died in, like her sleeping room was left over. And I, I worked there also for six years mm-hmm. and it was kind of even a bit scary because everything was black. There were no windows. and um, Oh, man. That's and how, did your work change? Honestly, yes. A yeah. lot. The work changed and I even started with these small um, pieces right. at that time. And um, yeah, it was... It it was kind of intense, but I liked it a lot. Of course, in winter it was freezing because you, yeah, I covered everything because of the like cold. Yeah, and so it was even darker then <laughs> <laughs> than it was the beginning. And but then also people always uh, have been impressed being in that studio and also seeing these kind of works in there. And I met my gallerist actually from Vienna there. Yeah, I think it helped a lot that strange studio, and that it aura. also it was for free, so it was quite good like this quite fancy address and then when you go into that house and then you enter that studio then it's strange yeah free studios are hard to come by yeah so (laughs) yeah that was the reason why i actually stayed in vienna then i went to brussels Mm -hmm. for one year and that studio was also quite nice at the wheels yeah and yeah then i wanted to go back to berlin but then i got offered that studio which i have now in vienna for seven years almost for free i just pay the electricity right wow so that's nice and that's why um it allows me to even rent another studio in milan and that studio is quite small like it's like a box yeah within a condominio i don't know how it's in english like just anyway it's a it's kind of a garage Mm -hmm. yeah you know there's a lot of people who listen to this in new york who are like two studios and one's free yeah (laughs) I'm moving to Vienna. I know, but it's... <laughs> you know, Vienna was um, voted, I forget who did it. I know, I top, always read these yeah, things. Yeah, the most I'm livable so city. Sure. But honestly, I read another um, article, and so Vienna was voted for the probably most convenient city to live in. Mm-hmm. But there was also another like aspect in that article it's about uh, if you come as a foreigner to Vienna, mm-hmm. then it was actually on the last, oh. um, it was on the, I think, like 63rd place of 65, because <laughs> Vienna is also the most unfriendliest city. To. Oh, so it's great so if you're there. It's great if you're there. But, don't but think if about you coming. come as a foreigner, then it really, it's kind of hard to get in contact with people. Maybe as an artist, it's, it's better. Yeah. But um, yeah. I think Paris was almost on the last, uh, right? Yeah, the last place. place. And I think yeah, Vienna was just a little bit. Like, it's. I, well, I'm happy for you. <laughs> I think Lisbon would be the city to move in. Oh yeah, in, yeah. I've never been to Lisbon. Yeah, I also have been there rarely, or actually not since ten years. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah, it's been a while since I've been to Berlin, and that was really the place to go for a lot of people. When yeah. I was first, I also in New have York. an apartment in Berlin. Yeah. So. Do you like it? 
I like it. For me, it was like I always wanted to kind of go home. In I actually I lived in Cologne and then I I moved to Berlin and I came to Vienna just for ten weeks to work because mm-hmm. I worked as a camera assistant at the movies and also as an electrician. And so I just wanted to do two movies in Vienna, but I was already working with a gallery in Vienna, not the one I'm working with now. But yeah. and so I told them I've never been like working. I've I was never working constantly at the movies for ten weeks. For me, that was a kind of a long period. Yeah. So I really need a studio, and that's why they found that uh, burnt. It worked out. Yeah. So, and so I stayed longer than I put all my furniture and stuff in Berlin in the cellar. And then I found an apartment in Vienna. It's also a funny story, which was, it was just, it didn't cost anything. Like it was just 107 euros, I think, rent. Oh, it was really nice. I renovated it by myself. And of course, the electricity and all that was kind of illegal, but... Um, but finally, I stayed there for eight years, and it it was always so funny because I had to pay these 107 euros. And then in August, I always got that letter that um, the cost, like the, I don't know, like the, oh, the, the expense. Yeah the, yeah, the rent increase? No, no, the, the like... Oh, the expenses. Like the expenses Utilities, are yeah, yeah. actually too high, so I don't have to pay rent for August. Oh, man. So it was just actually <laughs> even less than 100 euros and the studio for free, so that was the reason why I finally stayed in Vienna. Yeah, that's reason yeah. enough. Yeah. So well, where did you grow up? I grew up in Germany. Yeah. Like just the, I've been the, just the first six or seven years in Vienna, and then I grew up in Germany in different okay. cities. And so that's what you meant by going home? In, in a, way. a way, yes, because then also the Austrian politics, I kind of noticed that I quit reading news already before it started to become crazy, like now. Yeah, right. I I just read German news and it's just so more like I feel just more comfortable actually. I even noticed now that because I always believe in Germany like that something like this right wing thing can never grow that much. Mm-hmm. And um, but I think I might have missed. Uh, development in that direction it's that i'm i'm not so sure if i'm really kind of aware of the situation there but anyway i always try to go back to berlin and then somehow vienna has been quite convenient and so a couple of years ago i decided to to leave when the lease of that studio at vienna is over Mm -hmm. and so i bought that apartment in berlin and so from next year i think i'm trying to the plan is to look for the main studio as the one in Vienna now is in Berlin next year. And then I keep the small one in Milan. Yeah. But the situation, I think, is quite difficult to find a studio in Berlin right now. I th- actually thought it wouldn't be so difficult. I thought they're all complaining because Berlin has been always like a paradise with right. cheap brands and easy space that only lasts and so i long. know that the situation changed but i thought they're just complaining because now berlin is like any other city right. in the world but i recently started to look for something i noticed it's just doesn't even matter on the money it's just there's there is just nothing you can find and yeah so if it doesn't work out that i find one in berlin next year then i might find another main studio in Milan and I just try to find a small one in Berlin that's just 
would say it would it would be Berlin and um, and Milan from yeah. next year. Well, so it seems like you're pretty transient. Like you're okay with moving around. Yeah, it's kind of tiring sometimes. Like last year, I did six months in Milan and six months in Vienna, basically. Mm-hmm. And I just traveled a little bit to Berlin. But I always stayed there just for a couple of days because without a studio for me, it doesn't make any sense. Yeah. And um, this year, I even when I was working for that show here now, I was just trying to do one month Milan, one month Vienna, one month Milan, so like that. And... I was. It was quite uh, nice. I even took once. I went by train and I took fourteen paintings with me oh, in really? the yeah in the sleeping wagon. It was kind of nice. And then I finished <laughs> them awesome. in in Vienna. I was going to ask if the paintings have a different feel. I don't know. I think that places. people like to see it that way. Yeah. But I think I just follow my own rhythm. And so some people after they have seen, last year when I, in. Within the six months, I was working for a solo show in Milan. And then some colors appeared, actually not even for the first time, but people recognized them there for the first time. So they like to see Milan in these paintings. But I think it's not like I'm definitely interested in even the architecture in Milan. It's Mm -hmm. great. It's, It's something you can just not find anywhere else, I think. Even the... Like the architecture from the 60s, they combine so many different materials. It's amazing, like these marble and and stones and even different structured marble and glass and painted glass and brass and wood. Mm-hmm. And they and so you cannot imagine to make some and even carpets, but you cannot imagine that it could look so minimalistic and even like modern and clear it's it's interesting yeah. that they, how they and it looks also so italian right and so it's it's i'm definitely impressed by that but yeah, i, I don't you, i'm not sure if it really goes into the work right maybe unconsciously in some aspect but i don't know i was going to ask you what brought you to milan to begin with actually i have a boyfriend there oh, and then boyfriends always take it <laughs> <laughs> and coincidentally, I was already working with an Italian gallery, which was uh, based in based in Rome. And exactly that time when I met my boyfriend, they moved to Milan. So it was just a good... Uh, and I had my first show there. So, yeah. That began the, your tenure in It's Italy. kind of nice. Like So Vienna now turned out to be the more working city. Mm-hmm. And in Milan, I have that private life and it's... Even because of that studio, since it's so small, you cannot stay there longer than 12 hours. But in Vienna, I even sleep in the studio. If it if yeah. it becomes too long, then I... Actually, I think basically the first year in that studio, I slept almost the whole year in the studio. Yeah. Well, it sounds... The description of it, I'm Yeah, because I even have that place. kitchen there. And once you're... I, I don't know, but once I get up to the studio, like I never go down even to grab some food. I just mm-hmm. bring everything with me in the morning. Yeah. And then I almost never leave. And when it becomes too late, that I don't manage to go home. So then I just stay. It sounds kind of like paradise. <laughs> it is. It's, <laughs> so finding something like that might be difficult. But in Milan, I could just never stay that long. And then also, but it's nice. So Milan is then also about food and about going to the mountains 
during the weekend. It's really it's such a beautiful place. Yeah. What about fashion? Mm. Are you not interested in? I'm a bit interested in that, but strangely, in Milan, I I really have no connection to that. I like I was in in Vienna. I was friend with some fashion designers, mm. so I'm still and some they separated and they now they like one of them does their own uh, her own thing in in Berlin but um in Milan yeah it's strange but i i don't i of course i realize that it's like you you can just notice when there's fashion week or also the salone del mobile yeah. the design i'm more interested in that actually mm-hmm. But fashion, I think it's more in, in a theoretical way. You can just notice when you even go to a small off space, then I feel I'm the only woman with the, who wears normal shoes, for example. Like all the right. others, they have these like plateau of 10 centimeters. Or like there's just nobody. Like they could be all on a on a catwalk. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, yeah. I can see you taking inspiration though from just like the colors of certain lines and actually there's a lot about black there like especially the artists so yeah. I'm not so sure about that. Oh no, I mean more of like I'm like one of the things that I thought of in this show because there was talk in the press release about Milan in it and I was thinking of Miu Miu and how there's a lot of curves and those kind of like muted earthy colors but there's kind of like a retro like 50s, 60s vibe to some yeah, of the palette? Yeah, I think it was like that already before, but I can say that that one red painting, mm-hmm. it's definitely more inspired by the fact that I went to Pompeii yeah. and then I saw all these like wall paintings and I always had difficulties with red. So I usually even prefer to start with something I have difficulties with and until now there was just this... Um, very vivid red, which I is just ink on on linen, mm-hmm. and so it's more like you use already a kind of ground which is red, which shouldn't appear to be a symbolic red. But I never painted red, yeah. like not really in a painterly way. And after I visited Pompeii, I thought of one starting point even for that show could be to try a very large one, and I really try to yeah get along with these. Uh, Red, which should be not aggressive and should even not scream, I'm here, and should be still kind of like calm. And it's so it was a bit a challenge, and yeah, that was probably a bit inspired by something Italian. Yeah, it's so funny too how if you read, because a lot of times press releases will boil things down, or you know, they, they can they just give you a certain amount of information, like oh, this work was made at this place, or in relation to Even this. that one was, I started in, in Vienna already some years ago and mm-hmm. then I didn't manage, so I brought it to Milan last year and I also didn't manage to kind of bring it to something. Mm-hmm. Then I worked further this year and then I brought it to Vienna and finished it there. <laughs> and now it's here? Yeah. <laughs> I love the idea of you like hanging around. The commuting on trains with big paintings. Yeah, and no, this one I actually did. I trans- yeah, definitely because this yeah. is just too heavy. And <laughs> yeah, that was but all the others, it was the only one which was shipped. All the others I transported by myself. Now, well, I wanna, we'll get to your work in a little bit, like specifically this stuff and like the surfaces and stuff. But I have to re- 
remember to ask you about those surfaces and related to travel. But um, I wanted to ask when you were growing up, did was art something you were always interested in drawing? And I think so. I think it was just like since I can think of like being. Were your parents creative? No, they weren't. But uh, actually, my mother sent me and my sister to a kind of a something like a course, like. I think she she was very careful about us to try many different things mm -hmm. like uh, judo and, oh, yeah, yeah. judo and swimming right, and right. Um, and even also like doing some art so we have been in a certain course mm -hmm. and um, I think because even my sister is painting like she's not doing it professionally but in a funny way she's she's really able to paint in a very like naturalistic way yeah. so since she's living on the in the countryside uh, in germany she um now started to paint the dogs and horses of everybody around oh yeah and um, she's like the community painter she's doing yeah because actually you cannot get such a good painting of uh, like your i don't know animal yeah with almost like for almost nothing like 100 euros or something because right. she just does it in the evening and she has horses and children and actually she's my younger sister and um, but she's so good and she just does it for fun and then she sells it but I think it's so I don't know I think we both were always in a way interested in that and but I don't know from where it really comes from well what did your parents do were they They, my mother was a secretary and my father is a taxi driver. Yeah. They probably had some creative thing going on there that you didn't find My out. father actually was doing uh, jewelry. Oh, like, there you go. I yeah. think he was like, uh, he was, he came from a, he comes from a very conservative family. So he was actually, he wanted to, he, I think he started to study medicine, but he just... I, I don't know, but I think his father wanted him just to work at the like at a train station, like mm -hmm. something. So he Practical. at that time he he worked at the train. St I actually don't even exactly know what he did there, but mm -hmm. he he. I just know that he was doing jewelry actually in a very nice way. I still own some pieces, so I think That's he cool. was a little bit creative at that time. Also, when I see that they. At that time, they painted all the furniture and they did everything by themselves. So, but um, yeah, I don't. I just know that I always just wanted to paint and draw. It's a funny thing. And of course, when you go to school and you think, oh, but at a certain moment, you you have to decide for a certain job. And so somehow, I I'm I think I'm quite lucky because. There are other parents who really force their children to, like... And my parents, both of them, they just always said, I just I should just follow whatever I want to. The only important thing is that I'm happy. Yeah. And they never criticized me. And sometimes that was scary because you just sometimes even want to hear something. And I just never, like, I kind of felt even, yeah, even alone and even when you're afraid of going to school and passing an exam or something like that, then they always just said, yeah, I'm sure it will be fine. That's, that's the thing. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, yeah. Did sometimes you and I think it's something say? special because if you have parents who can afford it, mm 
yeah. then um, it's a different thing. But if they actually cannot afford anything and they will never give you anything like a house, or it was even a different thing when I moved to Austria, then because before in Germany I only knew people who yeah, live in apartments who they, which they rent. Yeah. And um, in Vienna, basically everybody kind of comes from the countryside, so they have parents and they still have their children's room and they know they will never be, let's say, homeless. Right. And that was my thing that I always thought, okay, but if it doesn't work out, then I don't have a job and I might be homeless once. And um, probably even this gives you some energy to work Yeah, it's harder. like I gotta, I gotta be successful. In a Or way, yes. But on no the other hand, net. I think I'm kind of... Once I'm in the studio, I because I never follow any pressure. Like I, the pressure I'm doing by myself. Mm -hmm. But um, it's a kind of a good thing that what, whoever asks for anything, I just, when I'm in the studio, I'm so relaxed. And I just, I even when I, I, ha I let's say I have a time pressure and I really know I got to finish this and this and that I still fall into something I know I will not show it's yeah. a funny thing it's uh, I think it, that's the good thing yeah well it's a real I think it's a real gift having parents that let you do that yeah you know? and also because it didn't work from the very beginning right never, I was also um, working for 10 years without having a show and yeah. even at that time I was working every day like I do now mm -hmm. and I think that's even why everybody's so Like, I don't feel any concurrence, also not in Vienna, because they all know that I was always working very hard. So they yeah. they just, they are all kind of happy. So when you went to school, you went to... I went to a, like kind of a normal school, even in this really, because it was a very ugly neighborhood where we actually living. It's kind of interesting because it was a city, like a suburb from even another small city mm -hmm. and that city was completely built up a bit like in america like completely built up in the 70s and so there were no traffic lights and everything was uh, left before right yeah. like the streets right. and they all and um, there were also no single houses so there were just blocks where People had almost the same floor plan and right. it was kind of really ugly because there was one block, then one piece of like meadow mm -hmm. with the children's playground, another block. It was just all everywhere. It's the most ugliest city I've ever seen in my life, but I grew up there. Yeah. So there was even not a, like nothing, like not a cinema, like just, just a, a yeah, gelateria. Like what's yeah. that in English? <laughs> And yeah, so it was even kind of boring. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, I'm sure that inspired you to In be In a way, I think so. That's why I like architecture and yeah. um, you really had to deal with your time there. And um, yeah, I lost my... I forgot where I wanted well, to go. <laughs> with school, I mean, were you uh, Yeah, and then I went to supportive? school there and I, I think I was just very good at school mm -hmm. and I never had to learn anything I was just there and then I just managed it to be very easy uh, to, to like I actually I, I had a kind of an easy life I have to say because I was just good but not extraordinary because I just didn't learn <laughs> and <laughs> almost really never you and just sailed through basically yes yeah. like very easily 
And but there was a certain moment when it comes to like that you, I don't know how it is like the, to, um, let's say some years before you end school you have to decide for certain courses and yeah. at that time I already knew I wanted to go to another school because there I could do art, right. and um, that other school was even in another city, and I just wanted to go there also because it was a kind of like now it's kind of famous but because this city is well known for um, pedagogic, pedagogic uh, yeah. even experiments but mm -hmm. at that time that school wasn't um, like you couldn't be sure that this exam would uh, be accepted by right. certain universities mm -hmm. but it was also very well known for like a kind of a free way of teaching another way of teaching and I really wanted to go there and I knew that they're so social that they can just not say no they accept when you want to go there yeah so I went there and I just remember that my mother didn't want to like uh, sign that oh, like, she, she just really didn't want me to go there because she was probably afraid that this exam wouldn't mean anything and so I actually at that time I was quite I, I just knew what I wanted so I went there and I told them I cannot stay in the other school because I have so many difficulties so I went to a doctor and I got some I don't know like some something like a paper which says that I'm, I would have need like to go to that other school and mm -hmm. I went to An old teacher asked her if he could join me for being accepted at the other school. And I, I don't know what I told her, why my mother cannot come. But then there they believed it was my mother. I don't know. And then they accepted me. But they they said that the art courses are completely full. But I could try to change within half a year. Right. And so I, yeah, I did that. And then even I remember that they did the conference and they finally even accepted me in that art course and so I knew that I just wanted that you made it yeah well, it doesn't sound easy <laughs> no but I think it was quite funny and it was even very interesting in that school I first even um, had some difficulties because they were discussing much more than I was used to it and I was actually quite or still I am quite calm yeah and um, yeah but I think it was kind of also a political school and we went to During that Gulf War, mm -hmm. we had, I think, free for almost two weeks because all of us, is, um, including the teachers, went to these demonstrations. Oh, so right. it was a kind of a left-wing school, and I enjoyed it a lot. Yeah, yeah. There. So did you, what was your work like at that point? What were you doing as far as your like creative work? Uh, I think it was, all, the funny thing is it was already about abstraction, And even a little bit in that direction of probably the first show I did here, like some kind of white works, but of course also differently. And um, I and also after school, I um, didn't want to go to university suddenly. So I actually didn't apply at an art academy because at that time I was kind of convinced of myself and I just wanted to keep working. Yeah. So I found a certain school where you could get some money from the state because you need to do something like a voluntary mm -hmm. volunteer work yeah. yeah and i knew that if you want to study restoration then you even could uh, would need a volunteer what did you say what like volunteer work yeah, or, yeah. you would need one for almost two years oh, okay. and so i 
yeah, I said that I want to study restoration. So I actually got the free studio there, all the materials and even like all these, uh, yeah, what, how would you say that? Like you could work with wood and metal and mm -hmm. everything. And so I basically worked there for almost two years. Just for studio. myself, yeah, in a free studio God, already really at that good at time. Free studios. <laughs> yes, and also I got that money from the government, right? Oh, gee, to, yeah, that's great. To and then I applied just at an art academy. And, right. Yeah. You know, there's some people who say that like comfort is the enemy of making good artwork, Probably. but it <laughs> seems like you. you did I a think good I was just always it. very lucky, yeah. so I never really like. So while I was working there, I at that time I thought, okay, I could study illustration or something like that. But then I noticed if I'm honest to myself, so I think it's about being honest to yourself. Yeah. And then probably at that time you're not too afraid of, or you don't think what will happen, like how will it be in five or ten years. I really just thought about the moment. So I noticed I don't want to because I was even interested in working with wood for example but mm -hmm. then I already I or probably I didn't think in this idealistic way because you could be just very um, convinced that you will be the one who will I don't know design something and you will do it by your own but I thought oh but finally I will just work in a I will be a small I don't know wheel or something like yeah. in a in a big industry or like and so I just wanted to be by myself and do what I want to do and yeah. so I couldn't study even illustration I just didn't want to study anything where somebody would tell me what I have to do well, you so finally the right I <laughs> managed so I never really did anything else than what I do now and I remember that when I was it was kind of romantic of course in that time but I think I was already I was just 17 and I went with my boyfriend to Morocco and we have yeah we traveled for a couple of months through Morocco and I was already having a sketchbook and I was just um, I still have that one and I was just doing a drawing or two or three every day mm -hmm. and I remember that I thought at that time if I could do this forever then I would be so happy. Yeah. Like it would be the best I can think of what could happen to me. And yeah, sometimes I think about it that it's so funny that it really turned out like yeah, that. Yeah, like your dream. But it was, uh, It I think it's just one coincidence after the other. I've, I've been just happy, kind of like, really like going through the world like a child and things just, it's still like that. And I can, yeah, I can, I can just really not complain about anything. Yeah, well, how about, so that's the arc of your life and being creative person, but what about in your work? Is it all luck and easy, or is it a lot oh, of struggle? Of course, it's a lot of struggle. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Right, right. It's, it's definitely not easy, yeah. but uh, I think if, if it would be easy, then it would be boring. Yeah. Of course, yeah. Yeah, you don't want to figure it out so necessarily. So in that right. way, it's, uh, yeah, it's never hard. It's just... Um, yeah. Well, so it's interesting. And so I think I just follow my interests. And mm -hmm. then luckily afterwards everything functions even with the audience. Yeah. And of course I think about that, but it, I think I do it in a kind of a playful way. I just do what I want to do and I go through these struggles and then I do the shows and then 
for me the most uh, like I'm always quite curious afterwards if it functions or not. So the first show even here at Marion was a really nice experience because there have been so many articles afterwards mm-hmm. and even artists wrote their own thoughts about that exhibition in their in some blogs and I was quite impressed because something like that didn't happen in Europe and it was so like I think probably was the nicest experience after a show until now yeah because you I mean that's because what you want right? usually in Vienna they just like when they wanted to write something then they copied something of of an article which yeah. was written before and so I had that feeling at that time that nobody really paid atten- really attention or tried to find some words for what I was doing. And here it was completely the opposite. So that was quite nice. So you must like New York. I like it. <laughs> I think it would be kind of like... Because at that time I really wanted to come here and even work here for a longer period. So I even did once, but just only for three months. Mm-hmm. It was quite nice. because you Mer- Yeah, it was funny because I told the gallery and they at that time they still had that uptown space. Oh, yeah, so you got to use And that. so I could uh, use the whole basement of that uh, townhouse. It was really nice. Also, this was a kind of a luxury situation. So I turned half of the basement into a studio and even with a kind of a like, little garden in the backyard. Right? This and whole so free studio thing's getting out of hand. <laughs> So I was There's just the so only one. listening. It's like, what? I, I yeah, I know. But it was like that. And then, of course, I visited my other friends here. And they always had to work all day long. And then in the evening, they go to the studio. And they have just yeah. enough if they also have relationships. So it's really hard. Yeah. And I was like a princess, like living uptown. It was even nice <laughs> because also during the weekends when the L train just doesn't go. Or yeah. like at, at that address... All the trains were just constantly going, so I was always the only one who didn't have any difficulties to get home wherever I've been. Man. And um, so that was nice. It was also a bit funny, like being a bit like a gallery dog working downstairs because there was no door between my basement. And so when the visitors came in the morning, mm-hmm. and there was then because I wanted the studio being in the back, so when they went to the gallery and they were standing um, on top of the stairs then they could look down and then they could see already my bed so that's the sweatshop the sweatshop down there so i had to get be up before the somebody from the gallery arrived right and then but it was very nice and also then i of course liked that weekends when nobody came and even living in that house with these Um, changing exhibitions yeah. because of course I could just walk around and it had I think it had three floors with uh, at least two rooms on each floor and that was a whole exhibition space it was quite nice yeah, to it sounds be great there. Mm-hmm. that's a nice situation yeah, <laughs> yeah. well and before we talk about the show crescendo a lot of times in this podcast we talk about music and the relationship between art and music. Were you a fan of music growing up? Was there music in the house? Was it important? It was, I think, not so important. But I think, of course, when I was 15, 16, I listened. I think even I made my friends through music. And yeah. um, especially in that at that time, I just remember, like, I went a lot to concerts at that time because oh, there yeah. was this kind of working social something. I don't remember 
how it was called, but it was like a center. It was kind of famous. It still exists in that. And it was mostly punk music. Yeah. And, um, but I think I started with something even like Susie and the Banshees when I was 14. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, I thought, because we're the same age, so I thought we probably would have a... Yeah, and that um, place, because it was so small, and so I could even... I remember I've seen the eye with almost 15 other people. Yeah. Or, like, I think the biggest concert or first one I've ever been to was Fugazi. Oh, nice. And it was just nice, because much, much later they, they... became huge yeah yeah and so yeah that yeah was Fugazi a nice in the time. early days was intense it was just as intense it, i think it was in in the 80s yeah when, so that oh, was wow. um the early days of yeah making, that must have been fun to see and i'm trying to think of what like the big german bands that i was listening to at that german i don't en, remember uh what were they called no there was even a, uh, i'm also no, not so good with Names. There was a German band. I don't remember right now. Also, because at that time you just had cassette. Yeah, cassette and tapes. And so, yeah, and I still have them. And some years ago, friends of mine, um, yeah, gave me for my birthday a cassette recorder, nice. which I have in the studio. I thought it was even a very nice one from Eastern. Germany, mm-hmm. like a wooden one. Oh, wow. But honestly, now it's so dusty in the studio, and so, because then one cassette is over so fast, and honestly, I'm just, I don't manage to listen to them. Do you listen to like Spotify or something in the studio, or do you? I don't do Spotify because I once forgot my password. <laughs> so, and I, re- I just don't manage to familiar. log in. <laughs> yeah. And I'm glad I'm not I listen the only one to the happens. music, <laughs> which is on my computer. Mm-hmm. But honestly, I'm not doing it so regularly because I've, let's say, I would have four complete days of music. Mm-hmm. But somehow there is this shuffle thing, and it's just always, I try to kind of overcome. I don't know how to say that, but I, it's just always the same song after the oh, other, yeah. and I just don't manage to get to, like, I really, I start with something I never listened to, and then still it, it follows. It goes back the, to, like, yes, your favorites. Or what, it's so, like it, it has its favorites, and it's going to tell you so what I would, like, them. then I asked some people to, to do out of my computer their favorite playlist, yeah. because so I have some different playlists after uh, named after friends, and yeah. sometimes... But uh, since I'm working almost 12 to 14 hours a day or even 15, I started more to listen to some documentations yeah. or even really some trashy reality TV. Oh, nice. What's your favorite? It's almost all German. It's, it's kind of really bad. Yeah. <laughs> And it's just that I noticed, because this year I fell a little bit into... Watching or listening because the, in Germany there's this one um, TV station mm-hmm. yeah. which uh, plays movies even with audio description mm-hmm. and so that's kind of nice because then I really don't have to look at it right. and so I started to watch all these like criminal stories, thriller, just really everything. I almost have seen everything what I could find. Mm-hmm. And even serious, but the thing is, if it's too good, or like, then I just 
go oh, there yeah. and then I I don't move for a couple of hours or right. or it takes let's say one day to finish it because then I really force myself to stop it and to work further mm-hmm. so for working it's just better something you don't have to pay attention too much the best is actually some like talks or right because um, you don't have to invest too too much in the visual yes side and sometimes it. I even don't remember that I if I've listen to that or not because I completely get away from it it's more about the the surrounding and so it's the same with drinks like since you have so many hours in the studio Mm -hmm. at a certain moment I need a kind of a drink which pushes me and usually I don't like sparkling things but then let's say I started with Cola Zero I think I have five a day or something like that just because I need something then in the evening I need something different and so it's the same with uh, like if you listen to some yeah documentation or something then after a while I needed to be silent then Mm. I would need a little bit of music and you need these uh, changing all the time I couldn't also then I'm kind of lucky because I have, uh, there's another artist who is a DJ next door mm-hmm. and he's really even one of my favorite ones. And we had this fight because he has these like great boxes, but I get these vibrations all the time in the studio. So he, like really I get kind of crazy, but so there are even really many hours a day I cannot listen to anything because this is just so much. Yeah. And then I constantly go to his door, then I list I can really listen to the music and I think, oh it's so nice. Then I go back and then I just hear the <laughs> bass. Right. And so I already thought of doing a hole in the wall that I could even listen to the music because then I wouldn't be then right. it would be the ideal situation. But so even because of him, I at least five hours a day, I can just not <laughs> listen right. to anything. He's curating the music. Maybe you could get him to share the playlist and you can hit start at the same time. <laughs> yeah, that would be a really good idea. Right? Like he's, an, <clears throat> he's really, he's Bulgarian mm-hmm. and he plays a lot of, and his uh, girlfriend is French. And so he plays even a lot of Bulgarian techno, but really nice one. Wow. I don't know and it's Bulgarian very, techno. it's very, very nice. What yeah. is Bulgarian techno like? Yeah, it's he is really like. Is it minimal or is it? It's more quite round? minimal. Like it could be also trashy, but he is he is just doing the perfect mix, oh, and nice. um, I think he just knows good stuff, even from friends probably. I, it's just think things I just don't know. Well, thank God you like it. If you didn't like the music, it would be really tough. Oh, I yeah, it would be. <laughs> but I I really like it, and I like him so. That's good. He even. Once now we come back to the these small studios with a small ceiling, but he started almost I think more than ten years ago. He because he's the um, he's from Bulgaria and he's the only what do you say niece no like he has a grandmother and he's his own, oh, nephew her only yes her only nephew. Yeah, and so um, and she's still like she's already ninety six, I think, and she's still living on her own in the countryside, but actually also close to the sea. And so once he got some money from the Austrian government to, he helped her to um, 
renovate her cellar mm -hmm. and so he started to do an exhibition series there oh, wow. and so each summer he's going there and he invites many artists to do an exhibition but the cellar it's so funny is also the ceiling is and also he is quite tall for a bulgarian guy like mm -hmm. he used to be a model once and it's funny because all his friends they just don't go even until his shoulder mm -hmm. and so it's funny that he's the one who does the exhibition in this space where he actually also cannot stand up i can <laughs> but just i think Barely. the ceiling starts like two centimeters above my head and yeah. um and it's it, be, it turned out to be a really nice thing because he invited artists from all over the world everybody's coming they spend one or two weeks in bulgaria at the sea and And then there's always this huge opening party where he also invites DJs. Nobody cares how loud it is. And it's um, the party then is in the garden. Yeah. And the grandmother comes in with self-made raki and, and wow. uh, tomatoes from the garden. And it's so nice. So it turned out to be a kind of a big thing. They even did a publication. It and, it, nice. and the space is um, even called after the name of the grandmother. Oh, yeah. And that's nice. And once, because I also did a project space, actually also that has to do something with music, but uh, I did a project space with an artist friend from Vienna and we started just one summer because we also found a free place next to our th studios mm -hmm. and it was more something really like a shop. And so we started in... Um, It was more a bar, so it was called Wednesday Bar. Mm -hmm. And so we did it every Wednesday. We showed one artist with one piece and one DJ. Oh, nice. And so, and then it became quite big because we noticed that people started to call us if there will be Wednesday Bar next right. Wednesday. Yeah. It was quite funny. And that's even how I got to know all the people in Vienna because when I arrived, I didn't study there. I didn't know anybody. Yeah. And I even met my gallerist in that bar. It was quite nice, quite nice time. And we just had one uh, refrigerator, and so we bought just the beer can mm -hmm. and wine. And we always had just one cocktail and water for free. And but even the beer cost just one euro. Yeah. And it was it was quite nice. It got and popular. So we did it for two years, wow. but just in summer. Mm -hmm. And then we were always invited, actually, because people could, like, uh, they just knew things, even openings, even some gallerists wanted the Wednesday bar at their opening because then they knew a lot of people would come. Uh, yeah. And so we did the Wednesday bar in residence in two other locations during the summer or three other. Then one of us moved to Berlin and because we have been three And he did it a little bit in Berlin, then he even did it in Buenos Aires. And then somehow we all had to, like, kind of became more successful. So we quit yeah. doing the but that bar, like but project. it was quite nice. Yeah. yeah, and a great way to meet people and sort of Yeah, it was a really, thing. and so now there are many projects based in Vienna, but at that time there haven't been so many. So it was even a, yeah, it was a nice experience. That's great. So, well, getting back to music, um... What do you listen to when you listen to music in the studio other than his stuff? Like, what's your favorite music to listen to anyways, in general? Like, it's really it hard to say because it could be that, but can be even, or even, let's say, Leonard Cohen, just really all yeah. these classic things. Yeah. And, um, yeah. That sounds good. So w let's talk about this show. What, so Crescendo is a musical 
I know, I do, but it's more, I like to include sound in a title yeah. in a way. Even the other one from the session from last year was called Echo of a Mirror Fragment. And mm -hmm. because it's just a dimension you cannot reach with the visual yeah, yeah. art. And that's why I'm, I, I always think ideally you could um, include sound and even smell. Yeah. So it's something just you have to grab right. to the highest. Like, I know it's not like it. I don't think of, let's say, Kandinsky or something. I wouldn't even translate something, but I think of it more in a visual way, I think. And crescendo, I thought it makes sense because for me it's about walking about in this exhibition. I like to play with these spaces let's say the first room, or it's not really a room, but it's where you enter. Yeah. I want you to get a certain imagination how the show could be, and then you work further, and then it's probably slightly different than you imagined before. Right, and yeah. I would be curious if you go back, if you look at, this, at some paintings in a different way after you've seen the others, yeah, totally. especially now when there are these like really kind of notes of figuration in there, like obviously, like so obvious as I didn't do it before. Mm -hmm. And I think you look at some other paintings then differently than you would have done if they wouldn't be there. It, it's, it works that way too, and because this show, you know, because I've seen your past shows and there is definitely that difference, you yeah. know, that makes me think differently about those but those shows aren't up anymore so it's in my mind which is really interesting i kind of likened it to going to see live music and when you see people performing it there's a different texture and there's a different sonic sensibility yeah. and then when you go back and listen to the record after that you kind of hear it differently you know and in yours there's so much textural stuff that people if people aren't seeing the shows they're not getting it you know yeah, what I mean? that's, they're not uh, seeing your work and that's always the fact so sometimes of course I'm even a little bit sad that I never ever have any good installation shots and I really refuse if somebody asks me what are you doing and can you show me some images and I just really don't want to until they haven't seen anything in person I think it's a nice even a bit conservative or romantic way of like forcing people to either th see things in person but I'm also interested in that fact that you cannot even photograph most of the paintings in a good way. It was even harder when they were like a lot of brighter than now mm -hmm. and um, I, I like that you have to decide like even like even still now when you take a photograph of one painting then you have to decide do you want to see everything in the dark spots then you will not see anything in the brighter ones yeah. and so I like that you just cannot get it because it even proves that our eye is um, yeah, able to switch and the camera is just not and uh, also installation shots they just don't work because some works are related to some which are in the back and you can just not photograph both of them yeah so i think i think it proves that the experience of this exhibition has to be one in person and unfortunately afterwards it's just over and people will just not yeah get anything from installation shots because there are other works of other artists where it functions differently or even where it's the 
opposite. Oh yeah, a lot of people make Instagram and art these also days. I also see many shows online. I have to say, yeah, like, and um, yeah, well, yeah, you can't see it all and in person. <laughs> It'd be a full time. Even art critics probably yeah, don't see it true. all in person. Yeah, so my work then just doesn't work in images. It's something you can really see. I think it's a it's um, it's a difficult thing sometimes for yeah, certain aspects of Yeah, I think of your work, I like it because I even like things like I like to keep things like simple and even flexible. I don't work with the assistants, for example. Yeah. I really do everything by myself, and even the all the yeah building the canvases and restretching them and it's kind of part of the process and of course sometimes I think oh but this could be done now by with of somebody mm-hmm. but um, I think everything should be kept flexible yeah. and um, I, I do also don't thing. want to yeah. throw too many works into the world right um, so I quite happy if it stays like that and if I can work like that until I'm 92 mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> I think that yeah. phenomenon, though, that you're sort of employing in your work is really what art is all about. Because I was just listening to an interview on the way over here about how they're trying to develop cars that can be fully automatic. But there's certain things the human eye can do with, like, discrepancies in the road that cars can't just pick up, you know? Yeah. It's the case of, like, our flawed intelligence versus artificial intelligence. And that creativity is a big part of the difference between the two things. And I think that's what that is. You know what I mean? Like yeah. that, those things that you can't pick up in reproduction, you know, the reason it's even like funny being there because and seeing it. Yeah. I sometimes even like to, re- like, I just recently noticed that I, let's say, since a while, I try to keep one painting for myself mm-hmm. of each show. And because I never have anything by of myself, and I'm usually I prefer just to show everything, and I don't have to have it. Right. But um, then at a certain moment, I thought, oh, but this would be nice. But then, of course, you just want to keep really the for you important works, which mark a new step or something. Yeah. And I I didn't manage for now, but then and recently I noticed I own only copies of myself, and it's funny because I have this. One work which I had to repeat once I had a small show in Berlin just at a friend's project space. Mm-hmm. And I noticed, oh, but this one work I once did, it would be so great to have in the show. So I did a copy. And of course, that collector owns it, doesn't know it. And of course, I could never give it to anybody. So right. I kept that one. And then I had a, another exhibition somewhere. And even in this show, it's funny, but last year in Milan, I did one of my favorite works. Mm-hmm. And while working on this show, I thought, oh, it would be so great if it would be a museum show. I would borrow that one. Yeah. And so I started to do two versions of it. Mm-hmm. And so one version you can see here, and the other one is so almost exactly a copy of that mm-hmm. one that I also keep it for myself. Was it hard to do that, to make two in one? I can't no, imagine doing I that. Thought, I wasn't sure if I managed one, so I thought it's better to just try try, try it with two yeah. because it's easier. And usually I never do something like that. But then I think even honestly the copy, or the copy is actually not as good as the original, but the version which is here, I even prefer than the oh, original. Really? Yeah, it's a funny thing. And it's a just, it's almost... 
the same copy just with a green light instead mm -hmm. of a pink one. And um, and so then I thought, hmm, but don't I have any other works which are not copies? And then I remembered, yeah, I have one, but it was in an exhibition and it dealt with copies. And it um, so this gallery showed that one work which I own, which is not a copy, but they sent it to um, China and mm -hmm. it was copied by a Chinese artist and I also own this copy. Really? I really wanted to have these two, so yeah. I gave the gallery another work to sell because I wanted to have my work in the copy of the Chinese oh, artist. Cool. Then I thought, oh, it's funny, now I own actually three copies and one work which isn't a copy, but I own a copy of another one. <laughs> It's matter. Well, yeah, it is but the, now I really want to keep one, which is not copy, which is a good one for right, myself. Just one like, of your because own. this time I, I just forgot. I, I, I sent everything to the gallery, and then I noticed. Oh, I forgot to, like, keep one for myself. Just buy your own painting from the gallery. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I wanted to buy that one which I did a copy of now for this right. show. I asked the gallery if it's still available. I really wanted to have that one. And then she said, no, but she owns it. And so I also felt, wow. honestly, a li bit, little bit less bad to copy if it's right. just she, yeah, the yeah. gallerist who owns it. Right, right. Um, it's when I was walking around the show and thinking about the work, it's funny you mentioned Kandinsky, because I thought of Kandinsky and his orchestra, you know, like the pieces of the orchestra that he did and yeah. those abstractions and concerning the spiritual. I don't know if you've ever read concerning the spiritual in art. And I haven't read, but I know about it and I th but I think the difference is that he also really trans tried to translate music into painting in so a way that's right? what I was going to talk about and like, I don't I think I would want you to hear a sound while looking at the images right yeah well I was thinking about that the, that phenomenon of Kandinsky and sound and color and synesthesia and then I was also thinking about like um, Hans Richter and those silent um, animations that he did, the stop-motion animations, or like uh, Viking Egling, like those, you know, from the 20s, which were really mm -hmm. groundbreaking at that point. But they had kind of these rounded edges and a sort of surreal quality to them, but they were way ahead of their time. And they had it, they were silent. But, or, well, some had music placed to them after, I think. But um, in thinking about, like, what is the source material for the shapes? And, I mean, are you still doing those sketches? Is it no. coming from observation? Is it I really, it's inventing? completely process-orientated. Yeah. It's just, like, as I said before, that I started with the color I had difficulties with, or I even think about colors, and I noticed at a certain moment that uh, I, I have difficulties with round shapes, in mm -hmm. a way, and then I became interested in it at the same time because I think a round shape already um, lets you associate something figurative. Yeah. And I I I love playing with it so much that yeah. you and so I already started it before. But I think in this show you can really see it because I did it, of, yeah, quite consciously that it. I so. Yeah, it's process orientated, but also in this show I followed, let's say, two directions, and one was definitely something like, a, like let's some of the bigger works are more like details of a smaller one, and they should. Uh, oh no, I missed the English word. Suggerieren. They, they sh let's say they should transport the feeling of a certain, I don't know, material of a body or something, yeah. or even. 
flow mm-hmm. and um, and also in interviews I'm always asked about this abstract um, or geometric abstraction and it just goes a little bit on my nerves so I right. wanted to deal with that also so I I think I took just the form of a previous painting but which appears to be figurative in in certain directions mm-hmm. and it's not obvious and because I don't know if you have seen the the small space which is not really part of the exhibition but there is a small space not yet but afterwards uh, yeah, and, there, <laughs> and so you can see even some more works and because I took the same form and ideally, like in the beginning or initially, initially, <laughs> I wanted to start to work on one form in Vienna and one form in Milan and see in which direction it goes mm-hmm. because it has exactly the same starting point. And I did three works of one form and one I put upside down. They all kind of appeared like you could think of a human body but it's just a form and it's actually just squares and uh, circles and it's not uh, at all, uh, yeah, you cannot really figure out a body. There are just these like two paintings which obviously deal with it. Right. But even this, there's the one painting which looks more like a torso yeah, and hips, it's yeah. uh, exactly the same form which I already used before and it was yeah, it did something completely different. I have two or three paintings with this form, and they appear to be a yeah. A, actually, I think even a head, mm-hmm. and I have even a one shaped canvas work with a frame, which did, I just added two lines, and now it's a torso, and that's so much fun to me because it's exactly the same form, mm-hmm. and now you cannot see anything else. But right. before you could. And I think I became a bit interested in that because I usually don't do any drawings. Mm-hmm. I just come to a form after like kind of a long working process. I cannot even really think of a form, but then I see it and so I even take it. But um, for another <coughs> show, I found a form of another artist, actually a drawing. And so I started with this form of a drawing of another artist. I don't mm-hmm. even remember that artist, but... I thought it was so funny because it was obviously also a human figure. Yeah. But while during the working process, which took even, I think, some years, I completely forgot about the original drawing. And then later it turned out to be the upper part of a body, a female body, so obviously. And so I tried to find that um, drawing. And then I noticed, yeah, it was a female body, but it was the torso of a and yeah. it's funny because I, well, I think I turned it upside down, but it was a little bit like, it's also kind of romantic, but like the painting wanted to become or at least deal with this uh, yeah, original yeah. form or like content actually, that it was definitely not consciously. It's just that it's fun to me to, to yeah, I... Let's say, even if it's completely abstract, I like to define the the associations and actually also really in one direction, mm-hmm. completely not in an open, wide direction that you could think whatever you want to think of. It's kind of fun to me when I even have the proof that people always mention the same thing. Yeah. 
although they can actually not uh, exactly um, like now I also miss the English word like they cannot really exactly define Where or the, describe what they're seeing, yeah. why they can uh, but and they also don't know but they all say the same right. afterwards and yeah. that's uh, for me the proofment that it functions and yeah that's something I enjoy a lot yeah. it's kind of like your unconscious consciousness in a collective consciousness unconscious yeah. <laughs> but uh, it's I just think I work so long on the paintings that they all appear to be like let's say constructed before mm-hmm. but it's just not the fact like I really in the okay now I work really a lot but there has been this time when I really started with nothing or just the color and not even a form yeah and um, but the result in the end, they always come together, and the hard point is maybe just that I don't know it before. Like, of course, I have this experience now that somehow they always work together. And let's say, because I always compare it with this uh, sentence that my works can be like a sentence, because I really like these um, different works dealing with each other in one sentence. And I think the sentence can be always a bit different, but there are some more silent, even these silent works can be the largest works. Yeah. Or And some are very much overworked and some are very simple and they happen within a couple of days probably mm-hmm. or ideally and some they take years because I sometimes I, they even take years and I don't do that much on them but I didn't know what to do let's say two yeah. years ago and it's this you give them time right yeah that's yeah. why it's uh, yeah well they they look too like they have a history to them it looks like they have a wear and tear a little bit like the edges sometimes you'll see like little definitely they're also or... I also like these works which didn't function for a very long time yeah Sometimes they are even the better works afterwards, but mm-hmm. um, they don't even, like, they're definitely different examples than others. Once I have a few, let's say, words, then I know how the sentence could be, and then I really also produce works in addition to them yeah. for one show. But then there are also these which uh, I just, within that work already, which never functioned. Um, I just follow the rules of that painting mm-hmm. and I actually don't even think about the show. And I think that's even also interesting. It's like putting a very strange work which appears to be descriptive and it doesn't describe anything. Yeah. Something like that. Yeah, yeah. That's a so cool. So, um, yeah, and some of the small ones really, do, to your point earlier, have this real punch to them. Like they really hold a big wall, but they're small yeah, paintings. Yeah, I was always interested in yeah. that. I also started with them because at that time I was doing large paperworks. Mm-hmm. And um, I thought of doing these small ones. At, I think in the big, I think for the first time I did them in, um, I had a residency in Warsaw. And so I wanted some very small, very complex works to more as attributes to describe the large ones. Now yeah. I think it's a bit the opposite. Yeah. But um, And so I've chosen this format because I, I like the idea that it's a little bit or slightly smaller than a sheet of paper. Mm-hmm. And 
Yeah, and oh, like I think for almost two or three years, I all, only worked on these uh, formats. They're hard. And to um, make small they paintings. became quite complex. And yeah. it's even interesting how uh, working in different formats changed because before I didn't have any, like, but that's many years ago, and I was even working more figurative. But I remember that the size of two meter to 150, which would be bigger now. I couldn't deal with because it was so small and I really didn't know how to deal with it. Yeah. And after working on these very small canvases for some years, I tried a 40 to 50, which is still quite small, and I couldn't deal with it because it was so big. Yeah. And um, yeah, and so in the beginning, when I now started to work on larger formats, I didn't want them to be as complex as the smaller ones are I really thought of them more as details or at that time I even thought I think the larger ones should be monochrome mm -hmm. and um, but I think now over the years or over the working process I have both directions I have these like details or monochromes or even more simple ones as well as even some complex ones which are almost as a small work yeah well, if someone came up to you and said, we have a 70-foot gigantic wall, we want you to do a mural, would you feel comfortable doing that? Have you done something like that? Or I would it be have. daunting? <laughs> I did wall paint. Actually, I didn't really do wall paintings, but I did the wallpaper. And actually, even in many pieces that I could, I put them on the wall, like yeah. there would be a wall painting. But um, I actually... Anyway, cannot do when somebody asks me to do something. Oh yeah, yeah, you really don't like to be told. <laughs> Thanks for coming. I, <laughs> I'm glad you showed up. <laughs> if that's it so, would be my so, idea, and if it would come to me once, right? Okay. But, yeah, yeah. Uh, like I if you came really to the gallery not. in the back wall, you thought, you know what? I really think it would be amazing to have a big wall piece there, and then smaller works or something. Then, then you could. Yes, it's really the fact. Like I just once did a, at the time when I thought could be that once I need to work for money, so I did a more architectural work. Like uh, I, it was also funny at that time because I applied, and there were two other architects, just three invited person to. Mm -hmm. um, do a whole in yeah kind of environment in a new built hospital and was a church but really nice like a concrete church yeah. within the garden with and so we could even um, define a bit uh, because it was new built a bit the like the floor and the walls and everything and I think I probably even got it because I I did two much and finally I didn't earn any money I think I put some money in because I wasn't oh, experienced right. and it took me really years even and I think it was also quite tiring but even interesting and I think something like that I could do as a project for somebody else like thinking yeah. about because it was finally like really doing an exhibition I did the walls and the furniture and even and then even a kind of nice carpet which was stolen the day before the opening oh, no. i still from time to time look through the like in the internet if i find an image of that one yeah because they reproduced it but it's just bad like really bad reproduction of the original one right right yeah it's not the same but yeah in this case it was probably the only time that i did something like i'm 
I just missed the English word, like, and how would you say that? Like, I did a job. <laughs> <laughs> commission? Yeah. Yeah. A commission piece. Um, so now that the show's up, do you have time to relax or do you go right back bit. at it or? No, I've actually, I've some time, like I, next week I go to shortly Milan and then Norway. Yeah. Then, oh, Norway's nice. Yeah. And then after Norway, I spend a week in Milan then I go to Berlin and also to Barcelona. Barcelona's nice. And then back to Vienna and then I work a bit further and I think next year will be kind of like I will just work for one bigger show and the others are already done. You must get so much inspiration though from traveling around and seeing so much. I think so. I think traveling is just really something Isn't I it great? enjoy. You just learn so much by travel, I think. Yeah. Also this summer we traveled just by car, but we did, I think, 3,000 kilometers in, in two weeks. And we stayed every night at a different farmer in an area in Italy, which has... Yeah, I think the less population of the country and it was just so interesting of staying every night somewhere else at certain farmers who just give you a bed but then the, you get that self-made cheese and, oh, wow. and also we visited all these empty, like really ghost towns mm -hmm. which, uh, yeah, I think people were leaving when there were a earthquake or even one of these towns have been the, has been the... Um, They shoot it, uh, one uh, James Bond in there. Oh, really? Which <laughs> was really amazing back that uh, time. So I think definitely I get... Uh, That's cool. How many languages do you speak? Not many. Like, as you hear, my English is not the best. Your English is <laughs> perfectly fine. Oh, no. So German... I know that. And English, German... And Italian. Italian. I speak really bad. Like, I understand probably, let's say, 85%. So mm -hmm. for me, it's easy because I understand. But I almost don't speak. Like, I just speak if... Actually, I should speak it better, but I'm just so much in the studio. Yeah. And then if you meet artists, then they... In Italy, honestly, they even don't speak English very well. Like, my English is really excellent comparing to theirs. Mm -hmm. But... Uh, Most it should be more easy because they don't speak English and you just have to speak Italian. Yeah, but you somehow by, my Italian is, yeah. If you compare that, then I think my Italian is ten percent and the understanding of the language is eighty-five percent. So it's almost nothing. Um. Like I can, usually I have that trick that I say, "Do you speak English?" Then they say no, and then I start with my bad Italian. <laughs> Give it a shot. <laughs> English? No, so they, right, they pay more attention because they feel already guilty that they don't speak English. But the Italian, not to generalize, but aren't Italians a little more open to sort of um, other, you know, foreigners mm. speaking Italian than French? I don't know. Honestly, I don't think so. They no. like, yeah. I don't know so much about the French. I enjoyed being in Brussels very much. Mm -hmm. And I even love that um, English like that French English it's so beautiful it's something and it's interesting because it's true that you cannot hear an fluent English with a, such a French accent in France because they just don't speak English so well right, but in right. Brussels they speak English very well but they have a, of like many of them they have this French accent and it's for me something even like a fourth Belgian language because yeah. it's so nice it's too. charming It's very, it's really very nice. And, and um, but 
Yeah, I don't know. I've met so many, even let's say the daughter of my boyfriend. I might have been the of the first foreigner she ever met. So it's a bit a strange thing that they seem to be quite close in the country, probably because they have everything there. It's yeah. a, I don't know. But in French, honestly, I always met some really open, nice French people. They, yeah, and they speak quite okay English, like at least better than my experience with the Italians. <laughs> That's good. Well, um, but I don't mind actually. I re I really don't mind. I like listen to. That. Usually they speak Italian and I answer in English. Oh yeah, that's uh, what I do. And but I hopefully it will change once. But I thought it just comes over me, but it doesn't. So I think I would have to make an effort. Yeah, English is like that makes it hard to travel because it's so often the. Uh, the the immediated language like the in between language so. my English actually got worse since I have to talk to my boyfriend because oh, yeah. It's, yeah definitely I even noticed in the beginning I even always got this peak or I almost couldn't breathe when he said something which was kind of really wrong mm -hmm. and now I already speak or choose different words or speak in a different way and Recently, I noticed I wanted to say exactly that sentence or some sentences, and some I even don't tell him because I like some expressions very much yeah, because it's yeah. an Italian English. It's right. nice. It's nice, yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, your English sounds good to me, and it's way better than my German. Ah, uh, yeah, but that's what everybody says, but uh, <laughs> that's uh, quite easy to say that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm happy that I don't have to sure. learn German. <laughs> um so the show is up until... When does the show come down? I think uh, a couple of days before Christmas. So people have yeah, plenty so of time Yeah, so I'm quite happy that it. it's so long Oh, it's on nice. You. Yeah, yeah. So people mm -hmm. should come see it. And then I just found out yesterday by looking that you do social media, but you don't really post a lot of your artwork on there. No. Which I, now I understand. Well, I, I mean, like... I get... I like... Actually, I, I like sometimes to show places or I think... It's, it's a way of, since I have many friends, but sometimes I really don't get to see them very often. Yeah. And then I think it's a way of saying, see, I'm here. But <laughs> <I'm> also, <alive. laughs> it should be something general, like that even other people who don't know me could be interested right, in. Right. And I don't like to show people yeah. sometimes, but it's something, it really means something. If there's a person, then I think my friends know and others, I don't care. Yeah. <clears throat> and sometimes uh, there's sceneries, but uh, basically I don't almost never post any artwork. Sometimes when I'm really impressed by some work, then I do yeah. it. Or sometimes it's also just that the mood or the kind of resistance doing it is a bit less than in other days. Mm -hmm. But basically, I I prefer to just show things or places or funny little moments yeah. than people and also artworks. Yeah, but if people want to see your, work. I did a, I did a book actually to the I had an a, um, exhibition at the session in Vienna and I was mm -hmm. uh, you had to I had to do an artist book to that show for that show and I finally. Already I noticed that once there were still invitation cards or in the gallery in Vienna there are still invitation cards or an image to advertise the show and my works 
they never have any titles, but so the show has a title. So it's a bit like that sentence or even the title for a yeah. sentence. And um, I noticed that I always took imi like photograph images, which I have taken somewhere, as well as the title. And so for that book, I did this little experiment that I show. I did a book also with very beautiful quotes of another, um, of an artist friend, or like she's an author, she's writing. And um, I did it in, a, so it was a bit like an exhibition catalog, but only with the images of myself. So it was a lot about the order of the arranged photographs and the, yeah. And I think these photographs had a lot to do with the exhibition and not just like a research material. I think that book was the same, like going through an exhibition, mm -hmm. but it was only with photographs yeah. of myself and then even like some, like you have in the end, like some notes on, on certain um, images mm -hmm. and there were sentences of her and some were describing something what she thought but it was more coincident, like not a chronological order, and she didn't describe all the um, photographs, and also some were just about something completely else, mm -hmm. and they were in the middle of the book, and I liked that that you first have that experience, and then you want to read something about it, and then sometimes it hits that uh, photograph, sometimes not, but I think these photographs are a little bit like the photographs on Instagram yeah. I do. So it's give a little backstory to the little bit personal thing. Yeah. But not too not too, <coughs> not too personal. Yeah, right. You seem to be you've curated that well. <laughs> yeah. Well I've been a fan since the first show that I've seen here. So it's oh, I'm really you. excited to be able to sit down and talk to you. Thanks for taking all the time. And thank I have one you. favor to ask. Can we go buy a lottery ticket after this? Because with your luck, I think I might be able to hit it. I already it. talked about it with some people <laughs> yesterday because I never did it. Oh, did you buy one? And um, somebody said I should do, and I actually already thought about it, like uh, that I actually should do something like that because if you do something like for yeah. the first time could function. So I talked actually with the guys working here and yeah, I said yeah. I will just give each of them a number Oh, and then perfect. they, but then they might be disappointed because probably each number will be right, but nobody has all oh, of them. Oh, they won't get all of them. <laughs> that gets you off the yeah. hook because <laughs> you're still picking good numbers, but it wasn't your fault. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, thanks again. It was so thank nice you. to meet you. Yeah. All right. Thank you. Sound and Vision is recorded, edited, and produced by myself, Brian Alfred. The new intro and outro music, the music you're hearing right now, is from Jacob Tutu. It's off of his new record, Dashed, Marked, Crossed. And you can check it out on his Bandcamp page, jacob2-2.bandcamp.com. Please take three minutes and rate and review the podcast on iTunes. It really helps. I'll also be doing live animation visuals for Logan Takahashi at Elsewhere on November 3rd as he's opening up for the electronic music legends The Orb. Come check it out. Thank you all for listening and supporting Sound and Vision.